You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. I'm blessed by this conversation. I'm really looking forward to this, Joy, uh, because I absolutely um, appreciate your input. Not only that, but we are talking with Mo Aiken. She is the author of a wonderful book we've been speaking about, Fully Known, An Invitation to True Intimacy with God. And she is with us this morning. How are you doing there, Mo? Good morning, good morning. I'm doing well. Well, that is wonderful to hear. I'm so glad that we are able to always uh, connect with you in this brief season. I'm so, so excited about uh, the conversations that we get to have about how we develop true intimacy with God. You know, I was thinking about the very fact that um, there are going to be many, many people who come face to face with our Savior, and some of them may hear, depart from me, I never knew you, because Mm -hmm. we did not truly pursue the deep relationship that we're designed for with Jesus. And that's what we're really speaking about in Fully Known. And you have this concept about spiritual singleness, that each one of us has to enter into that. How do we enter into this relationship, this authenticity? authentic relationship with the true Jesus, who is deity, who is the one who knows our suffering and that we can turn to in the deepest, darkest places. How do we begin that? Yeah, it's it's a beautiful question because I think the more I've pressed in and studied, the more I've realized we're almost born into this this spiritual singleness we're kind of born in this iniquity of separation right of uh man what adam and eve knew in the garden of perfect intimacy and oneness with the lord when they chose to choose for themselves what was best for them it was kind of this what's the bait of satan right it's this perceived autonomy this perceived freedom make your own decisions uh Choose what's best for you. Be like God. And because of that, they went from intimacy with the Lord into basically a a divorce from his presence. They went into this singleness, this um, separation, this autonomy of self, right? And so we're born into that state, too. And what's heartbreaking is that what would seem like freedom, what would seem like singleness and and doing our own thing and living our own way it actually becomes this enslavement it's like we're trafficked it's like the enemy just kind of coaxed us out of relationship and then trafficked us into this brothel and we become enslaved to sin but we are born into that we only know that brokenness know that enslavement and for many of our stories i think it's once we get to a point of realizing oh, I'm, I'm not made for singleness. I'm not made to be alone in this. I, I'm longing. My heart is not complete without whom I was made to know and love. That's when we really get the revelation of our need for relationship with the Lord. But for a lot of us, that spiritual singleness time, it takes 
it takes the heartache and the challenges and the brokenness and the sin that we so easily are entangled by, right? It takes all of the challenges for us to really realize our need. Um, and it, it, at least it did in my life. Um, it, it makes the revelation of his love that much sweeter, but it doesn't make it easier, this condition that we're navigating through when we think, man, life is just meant to be lived as we please. That's what I've always known. That's what my flesh wants. But one day we realize it just doesn't satisfy. The fruit isn't, is it what's giving us true life? Yeah. Yeah. That is so, so true. I love this. You're just speaking my heart language so much here, Mo. I just, just the idea, the intimacy, and I was talking earlier with Steve about the older I get, the more contented my heart becomes. Simply with knowing Jesus, with having that relationship. And it has come through the fiery trials. It has come mm-hmm. through the Lord taking me, allowing me to, to traverse across the rough waters, the deserts of life. And he is still there. He's what brought the hope. He's what brought the healing. He's what brought, you know, the the stream in the desert. And so um, I love this because I, I'm just... This is where I'm at in, in my life, you know, and in, in where I'm at. Just I think age and just my spiritual season is that just the realization that God is um, is is the one, the only thing, the only source that's truly going to fill not just my tank, so to speak, but just every deep, dark, crevice, wanting, longing piece of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It always makes me think of. Um, you know, Hosea and Gomer, because you would think if we're kind of born in this place of separation of the spiritual singleness, and then we encounter the love of Jesus and the power of this relationship, you would think the revelation of like his great love in light of our brokenness would just naturally, we would stay and we would abide and we would grow and we would never, you know, wander again, but yet we're prone to wander. Yet when the challenges of life come or new seasons or new temptations come, it's just like, it's just like Gomer. She was, she was prone to wander. I mean, the, the word of God puts it harshly, but sometimes I think it's so we can have this kind of understanding in the natural. She's, she's known as like the, the wife of whoredom. It's this adulterous hearted posture that Hosea never gives up on. He keeps pursuing her. He continues pouring out his love. He continues to rescue. But I think I'd love to think, no, 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 no. Once I come into Christ, that intimacy will be easy, right? It will never be challenged. It'll just, I'll want to walk in that faithfulness my whole life. But like, did Israel, did <laughs> did Gomer, do we know these ups and downs of relationship, you know, persist? And in a broken world, it's enticing to be drawn out of the place of intimacy. So I think the more we sit in and soak in his presence and we prioritize that and we, man, get it on, we we make that prayer time a non-negotiable. We make that time in the word a non-negotiable. We are praying without ceasing throughout the day. Those are the things that help us abide when the temptations of the world were our you know, come, come be single again. No, come this way. No, come that way. No, do this. No, don't you want that? Right. And so I think it's just important. We understand that intimacy 
as powerful and as revelatory as it is, it has to be fought for, you know, to remain, to abide and to stay in that love because the efforts of the adversary and just the nature of our flesh are going to be prone to wander and are going to seek to tempt us out of that presence. So how do we stay in that presence, stay in that place of intimacy? That's really, um, that's the key question, right? Well, we do. We ebb and flow. You know, last week we were talking about the concept of that spiritual pornography, right? Being the mm-hmm. um, being the viewer, but not the true participant, right? How right. our what we do in in you know a world that really even glorifies it um, when we are not actively participating in the relationship with the Lord, we are cheapening that relationship and you draw this parallel to an intimate physical relationship in a marriage compared to that which we would find in pornography right there is this perverted and you say this vicious lens that we begin to look through and then we kind of cheapen our relationship with the lord because we're accepting this false disconnected simulation of a real relationship that we are participating in actively. But a lot of people do do that. And so we have to move into that relationship. And that gets into this concept of where you call it the the spiritual proposal, right? We've got, then we move to this time where the Lord gives us this invitation where we have to then make a decision. Am I just going to be on the periphery observing from a distance a cheapened relationship or am i going to enter into true authenticity with my creator right we all come to that place where we have to make that decision right right that's where in i write in detail about this and fully known but it it gets me so excited every time to talk about it because when the lord started to show me this principle i was amazed but when it comes to that invitation to intimacy with the Lord, like you said, that, that marriage proposal, um, if we look to the ancient Hebraic wedding, to the context that Jesus was so often speaking to when he referred to himself as the bridegroom, the mm-hmm. church as his bride, oh my goodness, it's so powerful. We see this multi-part gospel revelation that just changes everything from you know that the earliest steps of this this betrothal and then consummation process that the father is the one who would choose the bride for the son and so we just see over and over in the scripture the support of this that god has has chosen us i mean deuteronomy 14 2 we see it in ephesians 1 3 through 6 1 John 4, 19 probably summarizes it best. We can love because he first loved us. But that the Father and his grace at work in our life to even cause us to care, right? In that season of spiritual singleness where we're just all over the place in our sin, living in our own way and feeling the empty fruit, the grace upon our life that we would even care to bend an ear to this gospel truth. It shows the Father already, His grace at work over us. And then there's just these beautiful layers. There's the bride price that was paid. We see it, you know, when Abraham sent a servant to to retrieve a wife for his son Isaac. 
you see the servant pour out the gifts upon her family. There's this dignifying price that was paid. And that's the work of the cross. That's Jesus's life. It was his very life that was the bride price paid to buy us from our former father's house. We were children of the world, right? Wrapped up in our iniquity. And he pays this bride price to to essentially release us from our father's house. And then there's the ketubah, which is like this mutual contract that was signed. And, and that prophesies the first five books of the Bible. And then there's the mikvah, which was this ritual immersion in living water. Come on, baptism. They would, they would cleanse themselves in living water to signify their old identities being washed away and their new identity as a unit coming. It's, it's known as the mikvah. And this is the call to be baptized by water, right? And then, oh my goodness, it, it goes on and on. There were gifts given before the bridegroom was to depart because he was going, the groom would go prepare a place literally in the father's house. And, and the bride would have to be waiting. She would be in this kiddushin period, this period of making herself ready and preparing her bridal garments. And um, he would leave these gifts before departure. And can I get an amen for the Holy Spirit poured out? Go wait in Jerusalem. I'm sending you a gift. It's like Jesus made sure every element of this marriage parallel was clear. And yet, until we understand the context of, you know, marital, un, like the process of that time, we don't fully grasp the wonder-working power of this this invitation to marriage with the bridegroom. And I, it, when I tell you, my head almost exploded and fell off my shoulders. It was the most beautiful revelation, and you know, that's just scratching the surface to these layers of the marriage that Christ was always speaking to when he speaks of the wedding feast upon his return. Oh, when the trumpets will sound, the feast of trumpets and what it prophesies of his coming again and the bride being made ready. All of these things are still to come. And so when we understand our betrothal to him, we can begin to embrace the period that we are in now where he has gone to prepare a place. He has poured out his spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit is to transform us, to make us like Him, to make us ready, um, and also to work through us in that time, which is so amazing. But, you know, intimacy with the Lord is certainly about being with Him, being transformed, being made ready. But there's this beautiful byproduct, too, of His Spirit working through us to share the goodness of that love of that transformation, of that power to the world. And it just gets me excited. The the marriage proposal, if there's any chapter someone should go read from Fully Known, let it be that one, because it's not my own words. It's literally just the context of history tied together with the Word of God and all that it prophesied for our hearts. So beautiful. Joy McLean is in studio with us this morning to carry on the conversation. Mo, this is just so beautiful. I love how, you know, we've always been told and we're taught marriage is a portrait of Christ and the bride. Mm-hmm. But this is just blowing out my brain and all these beautiful, I cannot wait to read this book. But I do have a question. So, you know, in dealing with a lot of women who come from abuse or just shame, um, mm-hmm. they have a fear of being fully known. And you know what I, what I mean by that. 
Right. And um, can you talk to, to me and talk to the audience, the, the women who are listening, and or men? You know, I just, I don't want, you know, we know that God knows his omniscience. We know that he knows it doesn't change anything. But just that holding back that wall they have of, I, I have fear and shame of God, of anyone knowing me fully. Can you speak to that, please? Right. Yeah, it's um, true. It's very, very true. The things that hinder us from intimacy, the things that um, grip us, the shame, it's real. And I walked it through various seasons of my life in, in really um, challenging ways. But we spoke to this a few weeks ago um, on here. It, it's just important to remember. I, I feel like it's always important to come back to this point that the truth is that the things that have happened in our life or the challenges or the sin or the enslavement or whatever it may be have been meticulous works by the adversary to deceive us to the true nature of God. Because naturally what we've experienced, it it, it forms us in various ways. It forms our perceptions of things and our, our idea Um, about various things and so especially when there's been sexual brokenness when there's sexual shame when there's been abuse when there's been trauma all of these things seek to form our understanding of intimacy and ultimately our understanding of God's invitation to be vulnerable and to be transformed and to be known and I think one of the most powerful things for me walking into freedom with him was allowing him to take it piece by piece. He never asked me to eat the whole elephant and figure it all out at once. He's so patient. He is so kind. Um, But to invite me kind of piece by piece to bring to him a hurt, a piece of shame, a trauma, and to realize he's not going to ever force himself upon us. He's not ever going to defile and humiliate us. He's everything opposite of the things that we think about him that are hindering us from drawing near to him, right? He's everything opposite from the ways that trauma and pain have formed us. And I think we see and can understand that too when when we see the freedom of choice that he's given from the very beginning. He's always honored free will because true love can't exist where there's force. True love and true intimacy that we can feel safe in exists where there is the ability for us to choose. And what I love about, um, and even as we were just speaking about the the Hebraic wedding and um, the the ketubah, this contractual agreement, we learn too in the Hebraic wedding that once that was was committed to, the groom was bound to it. He wouldn't leave. He wouldn't forsake. He couldn't break his promise. But the bride had all the way until the consummation point, the wedding feast, to choose if she was to abide in that or if she got distracted or whatever it may be. And I I think the beauty is that God, even unto the end, gives us this choice. But he remains. He is safe. He is sure. And he doesn't force himself. He welcomes us. And he doesn't shame us. He wants to heal us. And he doesn't 
air out all of our dirty laundry. He calls us to confession, um, to repentance for the sake of freedom. And I think the more we seek to trust that and again, take bite by bite, step by step, piece by piece, the more we gain revelation of those truths. I, I just remember so many times where there were sexual traumas or hurts that I was just crippled by. And when I finally found the courage to share or to repent or to even come in prayer with him, I realized just how safe his mercy was. And he protected me from all types of things, um, from people slandering, from things being thrown back. And we can't let fear keep us imprisoned. Intimacy is actually what helps reveal that love is safe, um, especially in the arms of the one who loves perfectly. Well, you know, Mo, you bring up an important point because when we suffer those traumas, regardless of what it is, any type of abuse, or we see that there is some type of brokenness in us, then we mm -hmm. find ourselves and we deem ourselves with a big rubber stamp that we are unredeemable. We right. cannot be possibly this good thing, which then becomes a stumbling block because each one of us were born for the very same reason that we see play out in Acts 13 where the Lord says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to, right? We have been called to be set apart from the world. We are called back to him and that's what he's calling us to, an intimate relationship. But then we say, well, wait a minute, I have this thing that happened to me back here and it was in my childhood, or it was in my teens, or it was in my brokenness as an adult, whatever that is, how do we not allow that self-talk and that concept, the false lie of the enemy, mm -hmm. to impede us from true intimacy and embracing the whole set-apart concept? Yeah, it's, it's a lifelong journey, but on this front, it really takes some some disciplines. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we are told in the scripture, take every thought captive and surrender it to Christ, submit it to Christ. This includes thoughts that have been sown in, uh, you know, the tares sown in amongst the wheats, the thoughts that have been sown in by the adversary. This includes our own thoughts, ideas, understanding, this includes other words people have spoken over us or curses spoken over us. We are instructed to take every thought captive in subjugation to Christ. And so there is freedom that can be found in starting to exercise some of these these disciplines, um, even if it's just that simple one. I mean, there's many instructions for how to guard our eyes, our heart, our mind in Christ, right? But even just the taking of thoughts captives to say, okay, I'm going to start today. And when this intrusive thought comes, I'm taking it, I'm binding it in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to weigh this. Is this true of what he says about me? Is this, does this align with the word of God? Is this true what others in the faith have spoken to me in health or is this is this defiled and if so i reject it i i, I hand it over um and i think just that learning to build that muscle of taking thoughts captive 
can be so freeing because really the war is between our ears. So much of it is in our mind. It's why we're called to wear the helmet of salvation. (laughs) It's like you need a helmet to guard the mind because that is a place that so much um, needs renewal, right? Needs to be made new uh, and that we would not be transformed or we would not, you know, live by the patterns of the world, but we would be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And so taking thoughts captives became really key for me. And in order to weigh them rightly, we also need to know the word. So being in the word of God, um, feasting upon the scriptures, these things are just spiritual disciplines that if we forsake, we will have a much harder time. But if we will lean in, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If we will lean in and implement these disciplines, we'll find ourselves more and more equipped to battle these intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Love this. I get such a sense of turning your face towards him and let him be the lifter of your chin yeah. and the eraser of your shame. It's kind of like baking up with a bad boyfriend and totally turning and seriously just walking the other way mm. towards right. the Lord. This is so beautiful. Right. So beautiful. Mm. Well, that really is, even as you just explained, the very definition of repentance yeah. is to to change direction. Um, and I just think so often of, remember Lot's wife when mm-hmm. he said, don't look back. Yes. <laughs> You're coming with me, don't return. And she looked back and, and you know, she turned to a, a pillar of salt. There, there has to be a decision we make. Yeah that I am, I'm changing direction and I, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to come naturally. Um, but I'm resolved to not look back at my former way and long for the things that were, he's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. And so I'm, I'm going to position myself to, to walk towards him, to fix my eyes on him and really, the repentance ultimately is a return. It's a return to the garden. Mm-hmm. It's turning back to come back home. Um, and so it's it's beautiful. It's hard. It's challenging. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful to do the work. Mm-hmm. Well, and and Jesus even speaks about the cost of following him. Right? He says in mm-hmm. uh, in Luke nine, you know, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit. For the kingdom of God. He's rejecting that notion. We are not to look back. He is telling us explicitly in Mm -hmm. his word, you do not do that. You are not fit to move forward in your life and then look back with those regrets or to turn back. And that is where um, this is just so important for us to understand. You know, Mo, this is... uh, an important conversation. I say it to you every single week, and I wish that there were more time that we can spend in this because you have been gracious enough uh, to share this with us for one more week, and I'm very, very excited that we are able to continue this conversation. And I know you're going to be out on the road. Um, you're going to be doing some speaking, right? Yes. Yeah. We uh, have been in full-time itinerant ministry for about 11 years now. And and just last year, uh, mobilized as a whole family on mission. So if y'all spot a fifth wheel RV driving down the interstate, it's probably us. (laughs) We're all over the country with our our four kids and uh, yeah, speaking, teaching and, and serving along the way. 
Maybe we'll come through Indiana. Well, I was going to say, we need to make arrangements for such an event and figure that all out. But uh, we have bumped up on our time today. And so this is just a very, very important conversation. I want to point people over to moisom.com is where you're going to go. It's M-O-I-S-O-M.com. And also, we've got that linked at our kellyandsteve.org resources tab. And find yourself a copy of Fully Known, An Invitation to True Intimacy with God. Mo, thank you so much for joining us again this morning. Um, I am looking forward to the next time that we're able to connect and just wish you all the best with your family this week and uh, we'll connect with you next, okay? All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Joy. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.